All right, welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show, uh, episode 23. Hope everyone's had a good week, and this week we have two special guests. Um, I know a lot of people have been asking to hear their side of the of my story because it plays into their life. So without further ado, my mom and dad. Oh, we're glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Glad to be a guest on the uh, Rabbit Hole Show. I'm glad to have y'all. Um, so yeah, they've been in my life my entire life and uh, hasn't been easy the last 10 years and even into childhood a little bit. Um, but yeah, as I've said, my trauma and life events and decisions I've made didn't just affect my life. It also affected the lives of people who supported me and came into my life at times, but two people who it really affected were my mom and dad and um, wanted to have them on and kind of share their story and side of, you know, everything that happened. Um, so talk to us a little bit kind of about my childhood and who, as y'all call Chad, <laughs> um, was as a kid and, um, because life changed, you know, going into college, I'd say, as we just discussed. But talk a little bit about my childhood and what that was like for y'all as new parents. And Well, I guess um, I remember bringing you home from the hospital. And I thought, goodness, they're letting me take this baby home. And I don't know <laughs> what to do. But we prayed a lot. We were involved in our church. Um, we chose that specifically because we wanted to have a good environment for our children. We went to Carmel Baptist still do and have a great preschool ministry and um, children's ministry that y'all were involved in. And then you went to Old Providence Elementary School and just did the best you could, I think. There's no manual for being so. Yeah. What would you say, Dad? Life was like for you raising me, you know, and well, as she early, said, there's no manual. The early years actually was a lot of fun. You were uh, a fun living, carefree kid. Uh, you didn't know a stranger, loved people, you loved sports, even as a two, three, four-year-old. Uh, just fun to hang out with. Um, but things changed as you aged, and, uh, you know, life became more difficult for you and, of course, uh, more challenges uh, for us as parents as uh, you went into middle school and, and then on to Covenant Day into high school. So I remember he said you, you know, loved people. You just... You did, just like Laura Beth would like to play in her room. She liked to play with people, but she'd play independently. But you always wanted to be with people. And I remember the the girls, you called them the maze, would come home, and you went to go play with the girls. And I would say, well, just, they just got home from school. Let's just wait a little bit. But then you went to the Hargett's house and wanted John to play with you. And um, Anyway, but you just loved people, and people loved you. And that was just a big asset of yours, a good quality. And just, I don't know if you want me to say this now, but thinking about this podcast, you asked, you mentioned that you were going to, thinking about starting this. And I, I, I remember saying, oh my goodness, are you sure? I thought, um, I just think I probably discouraged you because I was like, you know, I just didn't know what you would say or how you'd do, but I'm just really proud of you and think this is a huge accomplishment. I think it's, you have such intentional conversations with people and I think it's healthy for you and for them and then everybody that's listening to you tonight had somebody come up to me today and often do and they you know, have Chad's podcast and I'm listening or you know, I've heard about it and I want to see how to listen to it. So I'm just getting good feedback and feel like it's healthy. Glad you're doing 
to when it's nothing huge. Yeah. Um, it's been very helpful for me. Um, as I've always said, whether it helps one person or a million people to me, it helps me. And as you said, I'm able to have those intentional conversations and talk about my trauma and story and hear other people's stories as they share because we all have struggles and everyone's struggles are different, but community and who you surround yourself with is big. And I haven't always surrounded myself around positive people and good community. And that has brought me down at times. And I mean, I've been my worst enemy, um, you know, with self doubt and negative talk and believing I'm a failure and never going to amount to anything and always comparing myself to you know, everybody, but who I need to be comparing myself to. And that was a big downfall for myself. Um, and I think, um, I've told you this a lot and I know it's true that Satan just likes to work in darkness. And when we lay things out on the table, when you share things, you open up power. I remember one time I was trying to suggest you should go to counseling. You didn't have anything to do with that. And said, I'm, what? I forgot how you said, but you didn't want to share with anybody, but I'm so glad now that and another a reason I didn't want to go to therapy is, as you said, I didn't want to open up and share my feelings, emotions, because I didn't trust anyone. And I always, even when I, you know, would go to meetings or later on, you know, in rehabs, I always compared myself to everyone else in the room and thought my story is nothing compared to these people sharing. And, um, and only that only made it worse for me because I, you know, believed that lie that uh, my stories in my life is nothing compared to, you know, every, these other people who, you know, had been in and out of jail, you know, been hit with a narc can. I don't know how many times. And I was like, that'll never happen to me. I'll never be looking at prison time or waking up on a ventilator. Um, but for y'all as parents, did y'all ever suspect it would get to where it did last April or yeah. Talk about that kind of, you know, I first came concerned in high school. Um, there were times where you distanced yourself from the family or angry outburst, um, putting holes in walls, <laughs> cursing y'all out. But I just thought it was a uh, normal, you know, teenage hormones um but yeah there was an incident when you were 19 and uh working as a day camp counselor for the harris y and that incident i think frightened us and i think frightened you and at that point um your mom and i began to to be concerned that maybe your problems were bigger than we had anticipated and maybe um the things that we were concerned about in high school uh, were not necessarily things that uh, you were going to grow out of and, and move on uh, from. I'm thinking about when you, um, after college even, you decided at one point to go to the Dilworth Center. We suggested that before, but I remember you coming and saying that you wanted to go, and um, I thought, well, that's great. He's going to go and going to be fine, and this is going to be a quick fix, and that was naive on my part to think that, but because um, that was just the beginning. Yeah, and... The Dilworth Center, I mean, it played a big part. I met Casey, and um, we're here. <laughs> 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 um, 
you know, six, seven years later, we're here. And that was part of the beginning. Um, but the Dilworth Center, what was that like for y'all as your firstborn, your son, wanting to go to a rehab and, you know, saying, I have a problem, didn't necessarily know what the problem was. A lot of people thought it was alcohol at times. A lot of incidents happened, you know, when alcohol had been a factor. And I didn't think alcohol was a problem, um, but knew there was some issue that I had. So as a parent, how did that feel? You know, she said she thought it'd be a quick fix and obviously it wasn't, but dad, how did you feel when I wanted to go to Dilworth Center after, you know, the events in college and yeah, um, LB had just graduated from Clemson, I think. And, uh, you know, it was during all the celebration and hoopla that you shared that, uh, you wanted some help from the Dilworth Center and I was excited as a parent. Um, I had heard about the Dilworth Center through my volunteer work with the, uh, YMCA. Um, I was excited that uh, maybe you were at a point in your life where you wanted help. And again, the Dilworth Center had a good reputation. I think the program was 17 weeks and it was all outpatient. Um, And part of the the program involved you and part of the program involved uh, your mom and I. And uh, again, I was really excited. Uh, We went as a couple and participated in some of the groups with other parents who are struggling with their um, young adults or teenagers. And for us, it was uh, good therapy. Uh, it was good for us in that we realized that we were not the only ones that uh, were dealing with this uh, type of crisis in our family. But um, yeah, I was excited and I was hopeful. And uh, seven weeks into the 17-week program, uh, the night before I was to have surgery, uh, heart surgery, uh, you told me that, uh, you wanted to drop out, that, uh, you didn't need it, that you didn't have the, maybe the same issues, the same problems, uh, that some of the other participants did that, uh, that you could control, um, your problems. You had learned enough and, you know, I was disappointed. Um, <laughs> the hopefulness that I had all of a sudden turned into hopelessness. Um, I was concerned for you, um, just thought that, uh, wow, you know, when is he going to learn? Um, I guess the, the same. I just was excited. I was excited. It wasn't a stigma at all. I, again, was just, I think I realized that a lot of people deal with a lot of things and was glad that you were going there. But then I, because I, I think we went, like we would go have a group together, like you were in there, and then you would go off to your group, and we'd go to our group, and you would come in, and I could see your distancing yourself from it and I knew that you were going to probably drop out of it and so again that knot in your stomach comes and you're fearful and worried and um, I don't know if this is the time to say this but I wrote some things down but I remember you often said that you wanted anger management help which I think you were on the right track because I think all your anxiousness fear all led to anger and then you like you said in several other times that you dealt with that in unhealthy ways which led you to all these things but um, yeah, I have to say, when you went to the Dilworth Center again, I thought you were going to be have a quick fix. Life was going to be great. And then soon came to disappointment. And then also, my eyes were opened because that was our first experience with hearing other people's stories. And there are a lot of like a lot of worse stories. You know, a lot of people with a lot of issues and um, families who suffered a lot. And um, you know, so it was it was alarming. But we learned a lot. We met some 
we, every place God has just used this too. These hard things often take us to beautiful places or take us to connections. Like you met KC, we met people there. We've met people on all these journeys that we would have never met and have have deep relationships because of it. So God, you know, his he uses these things. Yeah, he definitely does use these things and nothing's ever a quick fix as we've learned. Um, and a lot of my decisions obviously affected me and my life, but affected y'all. Um, what impact did my lifestyle have on y'all and your marriage and then our family? Um, cause dad, I mean, you work full time, you know, you're volunteering a lot, mom and worrying, you know, stressing and anxious not knowing what would happen next with me um talk to us if y'all don't mind you know about y'all's marriage did it strengthen it did it you know hinder um because as i said you know my decisions didn't just affect me as i thought it did it you know had a ripple effect and affected a lot of other people especially my family um and we talked a little bit before, but how did that play a part into y'all's marriage? I would say for the most part, I feel like it strengthened it because we did come together and I was pleasantly surprised of how dad reacted to things and his way he reacted to you most of the time. But then there were times when we would try to do things as a family and I would feel like I was in the middle trying to keep everybody happy and it, I felt very tense and I would be very sad a lot of times because things didn't go well or there was, you know, just personality issues based on things that were going on that just made going out to dinner tense or trying to have a happy time. You know, I would say those things were tense or you were just waiting until it got over so you could leave or go get your fix or, you know, meet up with somebody or get away, you know. So I would say those times were negative, but um, overall praying for you, trying to, you know, work through it was okay. Yeah, I agree with uh Laurieann that uh you know there were times that um family get-togethers at least with the four of us were more tense than uh you know what i would have uh desired um and sometimes i felt that we didn't have your complete focus and attention um and again we just wanted to be together we just wanted to uh to just enjoy our two children and to enjoy doing life um but yeah in terms of all the uh, calamities uh, in this journey with you, I think it strengthened our marriage. Um, you know, we both, I think, would say that uh, it definitely strengthened our walk with Jesus. Sometimes we had nothing to cling to but Jesus. So as we hung to Jesus as individuals and did that as a couple, yeah, I think it strengthened our marriage, strengthened our faith. Um, you know, I truly believe that um, we praise God in the good times, we praise God in the bad times. We praise Him in the bad times because it's the bad times, again, that produce maturity and growth, um, strengthen us, give us the ability to empathize with people that may come in contact with us later that may be going through a similar situation. So, um, And I'm just thinking, you know, it was an isolating time because it was your story and we didn't want tell talk about it because we didn't want people to label you or judge you or um but it was our story too because it affected us but god gave us people 
that we could talk to and share with that we were that were safe people. And then when we opened up, they might open up about something that was going on in their life. And I remember one time a friend asked me something how I was, and I just burst out crying. And then that led to a deep conversation and just a lot of things like that where God gave us safe people to to share with and that we could we could talk to. Yeah, I I don't know what we would have done without uh, the Charlotte community, uh, the Charlotte Christian community in particular, you know, our church, but even the, the, the church beyond Carmel Baptist. Uh, yeah, just God raised up people to kind of walk alongside us during this journey. Um, people that we met through Covenant Day, people uh, that I work with, um, you know, just, just dear people. And uh, so, yeah, you know, through all this, turmoil a lot of good came from it i agree um i had to go through the dark valley to come out on the other side in the light because i'm someone who (laughs) has to do it my way or has had to do it my way and learn the hard way unfortunately we were talking prior you wish i'd come to you and opened up about my struggles but that was hard for me because you were my father and i didn't want to maybe disappoint you, let you down, didn't know how you would react. And as I said, I never thought my story was bad as it was because I always compared it to other stories I had heard in the rooms um, from people and could never imagine it would go and get to where it did last year. I think the way that God has wired me is, I just love to encourage others and lift others up and advise others. And if anything, I love to teach younger guys not to make some of the same mistakes that uh, I've made throughout my life. Um, So for you, as your dad in middle school and high school and college as a young adult, I just wanted to have a close relationship with you. Um, I wanted to encourage you. I wanted to lift you up. I wanted to pour into you. If anything, uh, I did not want to uh, upset you, Um, but at times I felt that uh, as I tried to draw close, as I tried to create conversation, that you would throw up a wall between us. I definitely did. And I think, yeah, that (laughs) I think it frustrated me. It hurt me. Um, I, I never wanted to point a finger at you. I never wanted to judge you. I just wanted to be there to help you. Um, and, uh, no, and I agree, and I don't, I mean, yeah, it's tough, because I wanted to have a close relationship with you, but I made it hard, <clears throat> and a lot of that was my own doing, and, you know, self-doubt, you know, negative beliefs, and the lies in my head, and, you know, growing up, struggling in school, and you wanting me to do my best, and sometimes my what I thought was my best was not my best because I was you know struggling in school and I was social and loved that aspect of school but um you know concentration was tough um and so I made it hard on myself yeah I knew that uh school didn't come easy but I don't think I realized until the last couple years that uh school was as much of a struggle as it was and i'm not grade focused so all i wanted for you and and laura beth was to do your best and uh, whatever that might be and yes sometimes in high school i felt that uh 
you never work to your fullest potential. But I don't think I was completely aware of the struggles that was going on inside you. Um, so, you know, um, I just didn't know. And maybe if you had shared and told me, um, then maybe, I don't know. And I think I didn't know what was going on with me because I just knew I struggled in school and things didn't necessarily come easy to me. I mean, sports did in the social aspect, but going to Covenant Day, you know, it was a, wasn't an easy academic school, but it challenged me. And when I struggled and saw others succeeding, you know, I put myself down and was like, well, you know, this is kind of who I am. And it was very frustrating. And I had anxiety and depression, but I didn't know what that was because it was never really talked about, not on y'all's part, but just, you know, I didn't know what anxiety was. And y'all, you know, thought I just wasn't trying hard enough and at times I definitely wasn't trying hard enough but the yeah those conversations and mental health just wasn't there wasn't any really awareness back then and I didn't know that's you know what my struggles came from and led to you know all the negative beliefs and um struggles that I had starting in school um I had just written down some different things. And one thing I wrote down is I'm thankful that you never walked away from God. You maybe weren't pursuing him or spending time with him, but you, at the same time, you seem to be seeking help from him and never, have never lost your faith. I guess too, just as different over the years, as different incidents have happened, how it affected me is, you know, we had several emergencies or panic situations. And I think I developed a type of PTSD where I would, you know, if you would call or text, I would I wouldn't just say hello like how are you I was just I knew I thought something was wrong so I mean a lot of times it was yeah <laughs> I was like are you okay and I would wait for the tone of your voice or whatever and, and so and two I think somebody else shared this but um, just as time went on I just I realized that it was out of our control and it was in God's hands and and he has orchestrated so much and it just it's just a blessing to see now um, but it was like being like because the being a parent of a, there's just not a love. It's hard to explain the love a parent has for their child. It just, it just, it's a big love. But it was like my heart was on this train, and it was headed for a wreck. And you know, I just had to stand back and watch it. And didn't know how it was gonna end. So there was just a lot of stress and a lot of um, worry. But then that brought me to God, and I brought some books. This, the power of praying for your children. <clears throat> Stormy Orderman has a lot of good prayer reference books, but just a lot of powerful prayers. And I would write, rewrite a prayer for you. And then um, um, Ruth Graham has um, prodigals and those who love them, just great stories like Augustine's mother prayed for him for years and she died before he um, became, changed his ways. And <clears throat> this is a great book. Um, Y'all would like to read this. James Banks and Jeffrey Banks, a father and son, wrote this book together, but Hope Lies Ahead, and he had a big talking about stories that were way beyond what anything you ever went through, and now they're ministering together at a church. But um, just the hope that hearing stories like that. And then he also wrote a prayer book where he wrote prayers um, that he prayed for his son, and then I rewrote them to um, you know, personally for you, and, um, and that just gave me healing and drove me um, closer to you through all this. So, um. Yeah, because there were a lot of times where you would send me lengthy prayers, <laughs> and at times it frustrated me, but I knew 
that's your way of ministering and, you know, letting me know that you love me even when I was not wanting to be around the family or listen to what y'all had to say because I was looking for that next fix or doing what I was doing. Um, but looking back, you know, I read all those prayers, even, you know, if I didn't want to at times, but having a mother who's and father, but you know, you would send me those prayers and those really meant a lot. Even at the time when I received them, I was more frustrated because I was like, they don't think I'm a believer and trying to push that on me, which y'all weren't. Y'all were just ministering to me and showing me that I was loved because I didn't love myself. Um, how was that as a parent kind of when I didn't love myself, how to seeing that as a parent, you know, like you just said, there's no love for your child, but when your child doesn't love themselves and you were on a train just waiting for it to wreck, you know, how was that? I mean, you had knots, anxious, sleepless nights, you know, phone calls that is this the call um but was there ever guilt you know that y'all felt because of um thinking y'all had done something wrong or wishing you had done something differently um talk to us about that yeah again um there is no manual for raising children and uh Lauren stated we uh, joined carmel baptist the slogan at the time was it feels like family we felt that it was a place that if God blessed us with children, we could raise a family, maybe learn how to be good parents um, through the teachings, uh, the ministry of the church, and the church was wonderful. Um, but uh, we did the best we could. Um, I would say that we put a lot of time and effort into raising you and Laura Beth. We did what we thought was in your best interest, in your sister's best interest, based on what we knew, based on the resources that we had access to based on the people that we sought advice from. Um, but yeah, we look back and we made some mistakes and hindsight, we may have done some things differently for you or for your sister, but no, I have no guilt. Um, and again, I think we did the best we can. Um, I can tell you that I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of, uh, the last, uh, nine months of your life really proud of the direction that you're going, really proud that for the first time in years, I know that you really love God and that your faith is extremely important to you. Jesus asked or was asked by the Pharisee in the Gospel of Matthew, what are the two greatest commandments or what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to love God and love others. We have to have a love for God. We have to to submit and surrender to God, and we have to receive his unconditional love for us. And I think it took me years to realize that God doesn't make junk, that we are created in his image. I'm a child of the king. You're a child of the king. Once we grasp it, understand it, truly believe it, then we can learn to love ourselves. Remember the, 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 the verse says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. So then we learn to receive God's unconditional love, and we learn to love ourselves, warts and all. None of us are perfect, but we learn to love ourselves and accept ourselves. And we want to live a life that's pleasing to God, living life abundantly, living each and every day in a 
impactful way. But in the process, if I learn to love God, receive his love, love myself, then I can love somebody else. I can love my wife. I can love my children. I can love my coworkers and my neighbors. And I can even love someone that may not be nice to me. Another passage that's uh, I really like comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I'm the vine, it's Jesus, and you're the branch. You abide in me, and I abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. This verse in the last two or three years has become real important to me. The more I abide in Jesus, he abides in me. It's not me that lives, but he that lives in and through me. So again, he gives me self-confidence. He gives me purpose, but then I bear fruit. And you go to Galatians 5.26, what are those fruits? Peace, peace, patience, self-control, gentleness, faithfulness, all those things. So apart from him, you know, life is nothing. So all of that to say is I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the direction that you're going with your life. I'm proud uh, of the fact that I do see that you have not only a love for God, but you're beginning to have a love for yourself and an appreciation uh, for the individual that God has made you. And I do believe that you are moving towards living life abundantly and impactfully and wanting to be everything God created and desired you to be. I love this uh, rabbit hole show. I love uh, how it's impacting your life and how it's impacting the lives of a lot of people, whether it's uh, guests like us or whether it's listeners. So thank you. Thank you. And I guess the question was, um, what was the question? <laughs> um did you ever feel guilt oh yes okay yeah yeah i like he said you know you just do the best you can and of course in anything you go back and look and there's things you probably would do differently but god's grace covers all that and i think he even if we make mistakes or do the wrong thing he uses it he doesn't waste anything and um and and i was thinking of you know just i've mentioned these books but the most important book i didn't mention was the bible and and um i just it just drew me into that and drew, in, drew me into spending time with him being a parent does because you're just you're trying to do the right thing. And then as you have these struggles, you know, even more. And But I, I learned to quit studying the problems and try to study his promises and and worship him and be thankful and praise him and um, and just and and have a heart um, and not a heart of fear and restore joy in my life. Even you know, when you don't feel like doing that and worship. I used to not understand this. I was like, well, why does, why are we worship God? Or is he it just wants all this focus on him, but he wants us to worship him because it's for us. Cause that's, it reminds us how powerful he is and what he can do in our life. And it reminds us how, and Satan, that Satan has to flee and Satan has no power. So he's not doing it for us to, to build up his esteem because he doesn't need that, but he wants us to worship him for our um, benefit. So we're reminded of how, um, powerful he is um yeah definitely and i didn't love myself and didn't know how to love myself and so it was hard to love y'all larbeth and you know anyone who came into my life i mean i tried to but it wasn't a true love because i didn't know how to love myself and as you said if you <clears throat> don't love yourself how can you love others and until last year happened you know i really had to make a lifestyle change and it's been an amazing year. hadn't been easy, but anything's going to be easier than how I was living. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I was going to ask you from a 
child's perspective, one day possibly a parent. Hopefully. Yeah. What could we have done differently? You know, whether that's in middle school or high school or college, what could we have done differently um, in the way we interacted with you or um, yeah, what could we have done differently? Maybe other people listening would like to know from your perspective, what, what would you have liked? What did you need that maybe we didn't do? Cause we didn't know. And I don't, and I, and I can't, I don't know how to answer that. Cause I didn't know what I needed. You know, obviously I tried to do everything on my own. I thought I could do it on my own, but obviously I failed. We, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. And I was trying to do life half in and half out. And as parents, y'all did an amazing job. I didn't make it easy. Um, and y'all loved me and I knew that. And at times I, I'm for a while, I was like, how can they love me when I'm, you know, doing X, Y, and Z and bringing, you know, stress and unwanted anxiety and PTSD onto the family, but I didn't know how to deal with life. You know, I had anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, but I didn't know how to channel those. And the way I channeled them was, you know, drugs, alcohol, women and nothing that is uplifting to God. And, you know, in a way I thought, you know, that I was just bringing shame onto the family. And at times I thought it'd be easier just to end it because that would look like the only option several times. And luckily God placed people at the right time in the right place to prevent, you know, me going through, um, with those attempts but as parents, as you said, you didn't have a manual and I didn't have a manual on how to cope or I thought I didn't, but all I had to do was, you know, receive y'all's love and God's love. And instead I was turning to the worldly pleasures and we all know how that ended. So, I mean, that's a great question, but it's hard to answer because when you're in the thick of it, you're not thinking about, you know, tomorrow or the past you're thinking about the next move and then when I wasn't I was always thinking about my past and how it was going to affect my future and that caused a lot of anxiety and you know suicidal ideation and um, negative coping habits and a lot of isolation and just shutting myself off and not wanting to be at family events or be around y'all because y'all love me and that frustrated me because I didn't love myself I'll just be honest that um, I saw you struggling and getting worse and spiraling. And, you know, I just obviously prayed for you a lot. But then I even thought, you know, if this is how your life is going to be, God heal him or take him or something. And I remember last year when um, our Beth called, she got a call that you were in ICU on a ventilator. And I remember saying to her, I guess this is how it's going to end. And I thought that's how it was going to end. And thankfully it didn't. Um, But at that time. And I had just written. That letter when I was at the ranch, which I went on my own, didn't tell y'all because I kind of distanced myself and shut myself off from y'all. But I think I gave you that letter a week or two prior. Yeah. And I just, um, I didn't want you to leave, but I did know that you were a Christian and I knew that if, you know, if you did leave, God had you, but um, I'm just 
thankful now that that's not how it ended and that this year has been a time of healing um, in a lot of ways. So what was it like last year, especially since that was kind of in my eyes and I would say y'all's eyes, the darkest, you know, hours of my or days of my journey. So what was last year like for y'all? Um, I mean, I checked myself into rehab without telling y'all. Um, and then as we talked about, reached out on y'all's anniversary and your birthday and tried to kind of mend things and patch it up as I would say. But I mean, the story wasn't over because a few hours after I got out of treatment, got arrested on some serious charges. And, um, and then, you know, a month later after I got out, you got the call from Laura Beth. So talk to us our listeners about last year's parents um i mean you said you know i don't want him to go but i know he's a believer and god's in control and has him but our human nature is to worry and try and fix things and i guess i could see your life you weren't happy and it was a struggle and it wasn't a you weren't peaceful and so i guess that's where i was thinking you're gonna have to live like this i didn't want to see you live like that the rest of your life i wanted you to have a purposeful life so I prayed that way Um, but I think even going back to when you went to different places when you'd have a struggle and we found a solution I would kind of like that first feeling when you went to the Dilworth Center I'd breathe a sigh of relief like okay in a safe place for a while but then as it would come to the end and I knew you were coming out then I would worry like well coming back how's he going to deal with all these things or whatever and then like when you were at the ranch and you called that week, you were coming home on that Saturday and you shared some things. I'm like, that's not good, you know, and he's not, I knew that that wasn't healthy and it wasn't. And I would share it with you and you, you know, fought, you fought back and had, you had reasons of why you were right and, you know, all this stuff, but I knew that it wasn't, I knew it wasn't going to work. So I knew that we still were not in good places. So, yeah, because I always felt safe in a hospital or rehab or even jail because I couldn't self-destruct and I was around people who were struggling and trying to get help and with counselors, therapists and, you know, yeah, you were in safe bubbles and, but I knew that those safe bubbles were coming to an end and you did too. And then you would, you would, I think panic or get anxious knowing that you were leaving those bubbles. And then that would cause problems, which I guess is a pattern for a lot of people. So I think, you know, this last year and going to Honey Lake and realizing just all how things escalated and how things were getting worse, you came to a realization that had to change or something worse was going to happen. So, but it's been a it's been a really good year. I mean, I woke up off life support and I just remember the first thing I saw was dad to my left, I think. And I thought I'd gotten COVID again, to be honest, and didn't know what had happened. Um, and then when he shared that I had overdosed and died, I just remember staring at that clock, like I hit rock bottom and I have to make a change or I'm going to be dead before, you know, I get out of this hospital, you know, <laughs> like that's how life was. Yeah. So your sister and I were at the beach. Your mom was here in Charlotte when, uh, your sister got the call that you were in the hospital, um, got the call from her your charge nurse and uh and that wasn't easy for them to figure out who I was either cuz I didn't tell them I told them I told the firefighters that I'd done cocaine and 
Um, I was very agitated and trying to fight them and wouldn't tell them my name or anything. So it wasn't easy for the hospital to find out who I was, but God placed somebody there, a nurse who, you know, was my charge nurse and knew me and was able to make the connection. But yeah, it's a talk to us dad about kind of that day and what was going through your head and feelings, emotions. And yeah. So it was five 30 on a Saturday night when the call came and, uh, your sister told me what happened, said she was going to call your mom and, and tell her, um, told me to call the church to call, uh, pastor Alex, um, didn't want, um, your mom going to the hospital by herself. And that four hours back to Charlotte was tough. I cried and cried and cried and cried. Probably this may be the most difficult thing for me in the entire journey, because I did think that this was possibly the end. Um, and of course, uh, we did not get home in time to see you. So was up there early the next morning. Um, but your mom actually took pictures um, of Pastor Alex and a couple of other close friends of ours praying over you. Uh, you were on a ventilator in hopes that uh, she could show you those pictures and show you that, you know, you were uh, close to death and hope that that might uh, help you to, uh, to move forward with your life and uh, to get the help you needed. So you told us that you wanted to go to Honey Lake. You had researched this on your own. And um, at this point in time, we'd spent a lot of money. Um, a lot of time fighting insurance companies. And so I wasn't sure that sending you to Honey Lake was going to fix the problem. Yeah, because we had long conversations and I had to, I guess, the easiest way to plead my case as to why Honey Lake was going to be the best spot for me because I had been to Renew and that was a free option and a great option, but I didn't think that was what I needed. And so... It took some convincing and long conversations, and we even were on the phone with Honey Lake together at one point. Um, Right, and um, it was going to cost what I thought for us a sizable amount of money. But it wasn't the first time either, so (sighs) money on top of money. So Right, Um, so I wasn't convinced that Honey Lake was the end-all, be-all, that this was going to fix you. it was actually your sister, Laura Beth, who was pretty good at practicing tough love that convinced me um, to send you to Honey Lake. Because she said if I wasn't willing, that she would be willing to pay for it herself. Um, that she felt that you had hit rock bottom and felt that this time that you were serious about moving forward with your life. And uh, I'm glad I listened to her. And uh, best decision, uh, I think, that, that we made the same time I made an agreement with you, I said that, it, you know, you've got to have skin in the game and it was going to cost you $3,000, um, which I felt was uh, a reasonable amount of money. And then when you got out, you would pay me X amount of dollars uh, a month over a two year period. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised that you had been out maybe 45 days and presented me a check for $3,000. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a great decision. Honey Lake was a good experience. And uh, again, as I said earlier, I'm really proud of you and proud of all that you've accomplished this past year. Um, yeah, that definitely was my rock bottom. 
you know, I thought sitting in jail in Dixon County, Tennessee was my rock bottom. Um, but it wasn't, I learned a lot and got out and we went to the beach as a family, which was a special weekend. And I think it was a overall a good weekend as a family, you know, it wasn't an easy weekend, but you know, I still had never had an issue with I guess drugs to where it took me 25 days later or whatnot. And then when I found out what happened and saw, you know, the people who came to the hospital, I was ashamed, embarrassed, but also felt the love and knew I wouldn't see those people again until heaven if I didn't make a change. And, you know, if I had all the money, I would have paid to go to Honey Lake. But again, as I've always said, support is a big thing. And a lot of people don't have the support that I have had along my journey. Um, and I've been blessed to have y'all's parents. Laura Beth is a sister. And yeah, she practiced the most tough love, I'd say, out of the family towards me. And that caused me to have a lot of resentment towards her over the years. But in the end, realized you know, how much she did love me. And, um, I was very surprised when I heard that she was willing to pay for me to go to Honey Lake because that's the last thing I thought would ever happen. Um, you know, I thought she wanted nothing to do with me, but again, that was a lie. Um, but yeah, just laying in that hospital bed and being fully awake when they took the ventilator out of my throat and yanked the catheter out and just knowing how I felt and the last memories I had before I, you know, died. Thankfully, that wasn't the end. Um, but that was definitely rock bottom. And I saw how much I was loved then. And even though I drugged the family and myself through the mud, you know, that wasn't the end of the story. There's a more beautiful story to be written. And, you know, it's unfolding and has been over the last year and will continue. But it took me to, you know, last year to really wake up and realize how blessed I am and have been with the people and support and community from, you know, Covenant Day, Carmel Baptist, and all the people I've met along the way. Um, so, yeah, definitely um, family is, you know, very important and something that, you know, I took for granted and something that I've been having to rebuild and you know trust um and as you said you know opening up and being honest and having those conversations that i never wanted to have with y'all so thank y'all well we love you very much and i think i've again grown a lot through this but i think god uses unlikely people unlikely situations um where he can be glory can be shown in um stores and renews and wants to do more than we can ask or imagine and um one thing i think is beautiful is um we met hunter and lauren thomas through this that our family's gotten very close to and throughout all this he was just somebody that god put as a miracle in front of us from his life and his story and it, that always gave me hope too not only through these books but to have a real person there who'd been there and a lot worse situation than you in a lot of ways and um that was beautiful and still is and then he had an impact that that week while you were in the hospital as we went up and down about what you were to do and trying to figure that out and um and we did listen to you and yeah because i remember 
one night in the hospital. I'm not sure which night, but it was the four of us in there, and he was telling me, you need to listen to your parents. They love you, and that's something I didn't. I knew y'all loved me, but I didn't know it, if that makes sense. It was hard for me to see. I was blinded. Um, but he was a good uh, mediator to help kind of navigate that road after, you know, I did get out of the hospital and the next steps. Um, I can't remember exactly, but, you know, I kind of lashed out at y'all. And he said, y'all get out talking to y'all. And he was like, you're not going to ever talk to your parents that way. They love you. They're here. They wouldn't be here if they didn't love you. So you need to get it together, essentially. And, you know, you need to make a change for your for you, but then for your family as well. And I knew I needed to, but... I never, as we said, knew how to open up and have those conversations because I didn't love myself. I always felt judged. Not that anyone was necessarily judging me or if people were, you know, they're not someone that, you know, I would go to advice for. So their judgment shouldn't have bothered me. But the ones who did matter, I just didn't know how to communicate. So, yeah, Hunter was a big um, part in uh you know, my story since 2019 and still to this day. But, um, yeah, he made it a lot easier to open up and talk to y'all because of his story and the relationship I had with him and the one that y'all had and have um, because of my time at Renew and then them coming to Charlotte. Um, but, yeah, I just remember that was kind of the start of, all right, what are we going to do? And he was there to help navigate and be that liaison between you and me. Um, because I didn't know how to communicate with y'all in a healthy way. Um, and that one last thing I want to say is that I just think God uses all things. He doesn't want to waste pain and he allows things that we don't understand why he does. But I think ultimately they have an eternal perspective and God, and use your story not just to help somebody in general, but to help point them to Jesus. And maybe I said that earlier, but I think um, you know it's all about. There's some tough things that we don't understand um, that He allows, but um, but He's God, and and we can trust Him. So, just want to say thank you for having us on the Rabbit Hole Show. It's been a pleasure, Chad, to have this dialogue with you, and hope that this conversation tonight that we've had will uh, you know be impactful. Uh, for the folks that are listening and uh, God bless you and real quick before we close um, what advice would you give parents that have a loved one who thinks they have it under control and knowing that they don't have it under control and I know that's you know a hard question to answer because there's no manual but from your experiences that I've put y'all through, what advice would you give to a parent or loved one, you know, who has someone struggling? Uh, what are some steps or advice you would give them as they're trying to navigate? I think they have to take care of themselves. The parent does because um, you can't control another person, but that's easier said than done. And then you're not going to help that person until they're ready to. We went to a, a dinner last night that was supporting the um, rebound, the rescue mission and heard stories and heard a lady share that she, you know, couldn't let her daughter come home. And um, 
Kingway had to put her out on the street, but that tough love helped get her to the place where she could heal. So um, you can't help anybody until they're ready to be helped, and you might have to do something that seems hard. Yeah, and I would also encourage parents uh, to seek out uh, counsel from other parents maybe that are further along the journey. Um, I would also, you know, uh, say that professional counseling is important, and we sought that uh, through Carmel Counseling, uh, through David Dixon, and through uh, Dr. Robert Dodd, your therapist. And, uh, you know, they uh, provided a lot of advice and support. So, yeah. And then I think there's nothing like prayer. And just praying uh, about the situation at hand, praying about the loved one, um, just asking the Lord to give us peace in the midst of chaos um, and calamity, and uh, give us direction and guidance. And so that's my thoughts. And just one more thing I thought of is God is a personal God, and everybody's story is that's their story. There's no two stories alike. So. Some people might tell you, you've got to do this or you've got to do that. And I think that's, you've just got to seek out what God sees in that situation because what works for somebody might not for somebody else. And I think God's a personal God and we need to um, not necessarily, you know, there's a lot of things that work most of the time, but just seek out God's will for your life. That's great advice. Um, Well, thank you all again for taking time and opening up and, talking about your struggles due to my struggles and um i'm just glad that we're able to be here and have these conversations um because it could have been a lot different and it was different but god had other plans and i'm very blessed to have y'all as parents and the support because it wasn't a quick fix it wasn't a you know short struggle it was years you know a decade almost of in and out of different places and ups and downs and thinking I was going to be good and then something else would happen. And yeah, everyone's story is different. Everyone has struggles, but it's how you cope with them and how you come out on the other side. And as you've said, and I've said before, you have to do it for yourself first. And if you're not doing it for yourself then there's no point in doing it, um, Cause it's just going to build resentment. And there was times where I didn't want to do stuff, but did it because, all right, this will make the family happy. It'll take pressure off of me. And, um, it wasn't, you know, always the right thing to do, but you know, that's my story. Um, and I'm just glad to be here, be able to share and glad to have y'all and your willingness to come on and open up and talk about, you know, my story because it is y'all's story as well i just again think this podcast is great and it's something that i didn't i mean because we just didn't have deep conversations so this is just like one of those things that god's done more than you could ask or imagine this is not what i imagined that we would sit down and have such a a real conversation but i'm proud of you i respect you and and casey too i'm glad you're in chad's life and you've been a a great blessing to our family and to him so um, i think it's good Thank you all again, um, and thank you all for tuning in to episode 23. It's a special one for me because I'm able to sit here with two people who have loved me since day one, even when I didn't love myself, know how to love myself. They were there 
showing me love, even though I didn't always know how to receive it. So thank y'all. And there are resources out there. There are places to go to get help. But again, you have to want it yourself first and foremost, because if you don't want it for yourself, again, there's no point because um, you'll have that resentment and it'll get worse. Um, so thank you all for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions that you want me to answer or any guests to answer, um, or if you want to come on the show as a guest and share your story, feel free and please uh, send an email, the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com. Um, give us a follow on Instagram, send us a message on there the rabbit hole show all underscores and then uh, follow subscribe to Spotify and Apple podcast. But thank y'all again. Love y'all stay tuned uh, for next week's episode. Thank y'all.